we'll have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, you know, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And we're going to be doing a series of interviews today. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with David Shoebridge, who is actually from the Greens, and we're going to be speaking with him about TJ Hickey. In the matter of TJ Hickey, um, Australia has violated its human rights obligations under Articles 2, 6 and 26 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. And actually the Greens, um, and, and David is, is the main person, is calling for a parliamentary inquiry into TJ's death in, death in custody and into events leading up to and following his death. TJ Hickey was uh, a young Aboriginal boy, 17 years of age, who died during a police um, chase and he was impaled on a fence. And listeners will recall that the Doing Time show has actually done extensive coverage on this topic and on, on this very, very atrocious death in custody. And his anniversary was recent on the 14th of February 2019. He died actually around, two, I think, I believe it was 2004. I'll double check that later, but I believe that was that was the year. And hopefully after that, although we are having a lot of trouble locating um, Mariki Onis, who is a traditional owner, um, we're wanting to talk about the sacred trees. And the sacred trees um, are, have significant cultural um, value and traditional owners have not been properly consulted. And these, these particular sacred trees are in country Victoria and it's, it's the, um, the, the Jampawurong Embassy, which is set up over there. Um, and I'll, I'll actually um, get that pronunciation updated once I, hopefully once I speak to Mariki. And basically the Andrews government has rejected calls to stop work on the Western Highway Extension. And Trades Hall has actually shown its solidarity by passing a motion to support um, the embassy as well. Minister and Transport Infrastructure Jacinta Allen has recently written traditional owners saying that Vic Roads have the green light to proceed with construction of the Western Highway extension. And these trees are birthing trees and also very, very sacred to Aboriginal people and um, they want to save two, two, uh, at least two of the trees and, and more. And the land's traditional owners are now fighting to have an emergency declaration application approved by Federal Environment Minister Melissa Price. And, and there are senior traditional owners there. Um, the police clashed with the protesters yesterday. They've been there for the last 10 months and we're hoping to get some um, eyewitness information from Mariki very, very soon. So while we're, we're lining up that interview, although we might, may have David Shoebridge first um, and speaking about TJ Hickey, 
I'm going to um, perhaps I'm going to play some music um, until all of that happens. And we're going to be looking at a song by Kev Carmody, which I think is very appropriate. Um, Thou shalt not steal. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And indeed, it is a very applicable song, Thou Shalt Not Steal. And that was by Kev Carmody. Hello, Mariki. Welcome to the program. Hi, Marissa. How are you? I'm in top form today, basically. Um, we've just played a song by <laughs> Kev Carmody called Thou Shalt Not Steal. And he was talking about materialism and how all the forests the forests are dying. Yeah, well, very fitting. Very fitting indeed. Um, Mariki, I gave a little bit of an introduction at the beginning about the sacred trees and I talked about how Trades Hall is in solidarity with um, the embassy. Could you just yep. explain um, what the embassy is, um, what land, and talk about some background about what's happening with the sacred trees because you're the traditional owner, so you're in the best yeah. position to do that. One of. Um, One of. Yeah. Um, so it's on Deperon country, 10 kilometres this side of Ballarat. Uh, Ararat. Uh, so two years ago, this has been going for two years, um, they've tried to expand the Western Highway. Um, on that expansion, there's sacred sites. Some of those include trees, but it's actually broader than that. Um, ten months ago, the embassy was um, established um, and they've been going out there pretty strong. Last Tuesday, the police um, attacked the camp with big roads and um, tried to um, get their machinery onto the property to start works. We um, used direct action to, to stop that from happening. Um, and Trades Hall has come out in support of the Japarung people and so that happened on Tuesday, so that's a pretty big um, deal to have the council to come out in support of us. Yep. Um, and today we've got the... Um, there's, a, a, there's a federal court in conjunction happening in Melbourne as we speak. Really? Um, so can, you, can you give us the details of that? So, well, they've just stood the matter down. Oh. Um, we're not sure... So it sounds like the judge is interested in um, the judge wants to know more information, but this is not confirmed. And so the judge has stood the matter down for twenty minutes. Um, they've asked some more information from the, the government on why they've made the decision they did. But they actually rejected our first application, so this is our second. Uh, sorry, this is our appeal, and so this is getting heard today. Um, so we won't know the answer until the end of today. That's that's good, at least, that it's going to court, although I, I really don't have much faith in this system, but at least no. it, it's... Uh... So you've got no. over 70, 70 elders and traditional owners there and supporters, correct, um, on country? That's right. Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Um, all out there yesterday. I'm, I'm not there now. No. I'm in Melbourne now. But we had a community meeting with all the Japarung people yesterday um, and we came to a consensus that no one wants um, Major Roads Project Victoria to start works on the country and we don't know enough information to give consent. So we need to be presented 
with more information to give informed consent on where the road can go. And that's where everyone's at right now. Why can't they just not do it? And, and isn't there a cheaper option? There's a cheaper option, so, an alternative yeah, route. Many options, many different options. Um, I don't know about the cheaper option, but there are many different options. One of the options, and probably the cheapest and the less destructive, could be that they just slow the road down to 80 kilometres for 20 kilometres. And then they um, speed it up again. So that's one option. Um, but there are many options, but we don't know all of these facts before we make a decision on any option. So we want to have um, do cultural mapping of the country and um, so we can make an informed decision. The thing that makes my blood boil as a radio broadcaster is basically mm-hmm. that, one, the trees are over 800 year old, correct? Yep. And there yep. are birthing and trees. And traditional um, cons- elders have not been properly consulted. And I actually wrote a letter today yeah. to yeah, the good. Andrews government right. and I said I was yeah. absolutely appalled at the fact that this really flies in the face of the treaty process. Yeah, and, absolutely. And um, and I explained. I just I just said it. It, it was it was uh, it's genocide. Yeah, yeah. It's it's genocide. And um, given uh, the history of um, the history of this country and how it um, you know it's through colonialism, um, the dispossession and trauma that we experienced from being dispossessed from that those trees in that country, like that. We can fix the issue right now. We need to have those trees. They have, the, they can, they have, um, you know, healing properties for us. Um, and those trees have been around since before Australia. So they have, they hold information that is necessary to Japarang people to move forward and heal. Um, they're about to chop them down, which is just, you know, it's, it's quite upsetting actually. Absolutely, and indeed, you're saying healing properties. So basically, what you're saying is that that um, some Aboriginal women have had their have had their children there, for example, with the birthing tree. So that there would be still healing properties there, and healing of the land too, isn't it? Yeah. Look, I don't want to go too far into the cultural. No, no, no. Stuff. No, no. That, I, that wasn't my intention, but but I no, I think I that, that listeners do need to know. Um, yep. you know, just briefly what, what that and why that is. Because, you yeah, know, pe- yeah, yeah, people who are uneducated and who are racist, they will say, oh, well, they're just a bunch of trees, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, no, they're, they're sacred yeah. to us, absolutely. Right. Um, but, um, yeah, and absolutely. And my po- the reason I made my comment was because some people that are Japarung, but and also some people that share song lines with us from around the country may be offended if I share too much information. Right. I said that. That's um, okay. Uh, but I do understand the importance of people understanding why um, it's important to protect country. Um, it is really sacred to us. I would love, as a Japarung woman who has matriarchal bloodlines, to um, Japarung to have access to that. I'd love to um, learn more. I want to um, to revive old practices that we've been um, that have been stolen from us. Um, so, yeah, these places are really, um, really, really quite sacred to us. And, and, they're, and they're actually a part of our stories as well um, and our creation. So we need we need these trees um, and we need the whole country 
um, intact to be able to use it for future generations and to heal the past. Exactly. And in your media release, you do state, or in the media release, um, it states that it's best to take cultural map, undertake cultural mapping to make yep. decisions with free, prior and informed consent regarding the easement for the new road. Right. So we need to, I mean, we, there's not time to talk too much about this, but we need to actually work out how that can happen and try to work with government um, to, to do that. Where is, yeah, well, yeah we're go on. Going good. We've got, we're entering this with good faith. Good. We want the best outcome for everyone. We want a safe passageway for people to pass through. But we also cannot be expected to place the road above our cultural heritage. And, and it seems like the government has tried to do that and it is really embarrassing and it does fly in the face of the treaty and we're left wondering what this treaty is really about if it's not going to be about saving cultural heritage and if it's not going to be about us having a say. And how so? How have traditional owners been consulted? What's it, so what are they saying about it's that? It's a little bit complex. My... My um, background is not in cultural heritage. I usually can tell you what, what I about incarceration rights and family violence in this country. But um, so, from my understanding, is that um, there's there's there are parties called the Aboriginal um, registered parties, and there's a few around the state, um, and they're registered to some heritage council that's linked with the Aboriginal Affairs Victoria, the eight governing government body of Aboriginal Victoria um, and they've consulted them, that's the, re reg uh, the registered Aboriginal party. So the registered Aboriginal party is made up of five members. So it's an organisation made up of five members. It has a closed membership and it's got one family group in that um, registered Aboriginal party. And this is something that we have, our people have raised historically this is not new information. Government know that we've got an issue with um, the government know we've got an issue with um, how um, how registered parties are informing the government, and so there are there are issues with how the government's gaining information and consent. They're saying that there is no cultural significance to the area, and that um, some white academic told us that the trees are significant and then so that's how we all found out. So they're really diminishing our value and um, our voices and our concerns throughout all of this. And really, this is that's really concerning and that's coming from um, the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs Office. Not officially, but I've heard. I mean, excuse me, but I'm not out to offend, but how on earth would a white academic know whether a tree is significant? Well, you can do, like, they can do tests. They can do cultural tests, and I'm not disputing that. But we have, those places are sacred. They're a part of our... Um, of course. They're our stories. They're a part of who we are for since creation. So I don't understand why these bureaucrats can have that position when they haven't even probably been out to the country. I'm not see, here. Yeah, you go out there yeah. and you see it and you feel it. Exactly. I'm not here to discredit any work of academics. What I'm saying is that um, there's, there needs to be consultation um, with supporters and Aboriginal mm -hmm. people. Absolutely, that's right. Tell yep. us a little bit about what people can do to help and where where is the site and 
can people go down there and, and help out and join? So there's a, a Facebook page called Chaparong Embassy Heritage Protection. Um, you can go there and it's got a list of things that supporters can do, ranging from sending letters like yourself, or you can make a donation, or um, you can go down and camp and be on the front line with the crew out there. Um, yeah, and I think there might be other other things listed there, like sharing our social media posts and, and staying informed. So it's near Ararat, right? Yeah, yeah, 10 Ks. This side of Mel, this side of Ararat. So the Melbourne side of Ararat, 10 Ks out. Can't miss it. If you drive past it, you see it straight away. So yeah, well, get down there and support. We need as many people down there. We don't know right now. We're, um, so if this court case doesn't get up today, we've got no connect. Um, <clears throat> we've got no protection, and the state government can just come in at any time with Victoria Police and Vicpol. Uh, sorry, uh, Vic Roads. And just to describe to listeners that, that that's actually not pretty. I've actually been involved no. involved in forest blockades um, in East Gippsland and other parts of Australia, and it's yeah. it's not pretty. Like you've no. got to, you know, there's there'll be the bulldozers, and um, they will come and they will smash everything. Well, yeah. no, they're not going to smash everything, but that's what they that's what they want to do. Um, yeah. In the same way, actually, that in Los Angeles, when I was um, over there for a while, they had um, a, a farm with a lot of Indigenous vegetables that they ended up bulldozing the whole lot for developers. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. rock up trust them. as much and as I you mean, can. Go on. What were you going to say? We've got a long history with Victoria Police and so just real concern about what might happen. Um, they're quite violent with Aboriginal people. They um, And... But we're not scared. We're prepared to fight for the sake for the sake of our country, um, and we're in it for the long run. Ten months, right? Yep. We don't have an expiry date. <laughs> They're trying to wipe us out. But they couldn't. <laughs> Were you there when the police came yesterday, Mariki? Um, they came last Tuesday. Oh, yes, last Tuesday. Yeah. So and they what? wanted to put their their machinery on the property. And we said no consent, and any move to put machinery on the property will be perceived as an attack on our people. And they pulled back, actually. They didn't do it. So I don't know if that was, that was um, a call from someone in a higher standing in, in um, Vic Pole or whatever, but they, um, they pulled back. They didn't put their machinery on country. And there are old people there and children there, right? Yep. Uh, my auntie's just 70 years old, Auntie Sandra. She's there on the front line every day. Yep. Oh, young and old. Interestingly, Marie. we encourage everyone to get down there. That's good. So, yeah, Marie, as Mariki says, let's encourage everyone to get down there. I'm, before I actually finish, because I'm sure you've got other things to do, um, I find it really interesting that on Channel 9 it actually says that they say that safety is their number one priority as we get back to work on the Western Highway project, but they are advised by police not to come. (laughs) I don't know if safety is their priority, but it's just a PR campaign for them. Safety is our priority. Safety, exactly. Mariki, um, thank you so much for coming onto the program. I just wanted to see if you had any any other comments. Um, No, just get down and support us. I mean... You know, if you, you're passionate about these issues and 
they're interested in running the wrongs of the past, this is a really good campaign to get involved in and a good um, movement support our frontline land defence and to protect country. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks a lot. And, um, yeah, if, if, if listeners are interested in um, getting the land to survive, go along there. If you're not, well, what can I say? <laughs> well, support it in other ways if you can. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. Okay, see you, Marissa. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Bye-bye. No worries. Bye. Bye-bye. And that was Mariki Onis, who's one of the traditional owners um, at Jumperong Embassy, um, speaking about the sacred trees and about how um, they're wanting the government is wanting to put the Western Highway in and to to destroy those trees that are very culturally appropriate, uh, um, culturally sorry, significant, and lots of sacredness. There. So as Mariki says, it's important to have a map, um, a, a new cultural map, and actually work out um, what to do there. It's approximately 4.25, and we're going to be speaking presently with David Shoebridge from the Greens. Um, and I'll just um, put on put on a song. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll just put on an announcement first. Marxism 2019 is Australia's biggest socialist conference, taking place this Easter long weekend from April the 18th to the 21st in Melbourne. Marxism 2019 features international and local guest speakers, including award-winning author and activist Baruz Buchani. Join over 1,000 activists for crucial discussions on how to resist the rise of the right and rebuild the left. With more than 100 sessions, tickets start at just $35 and are available at marxismconference.org. A 3CR supporter. Hi, my name is Lex Wharton and I listen to 3CR and I hope you do too. I hope that you could support 3CR in its radiothon because 3CR supports the fight for communities and support in all areas of struggles. So please listen to 3CR. Hi, my name is Lex Wharton and I listen to 3CR and I hope you do too. I hope that you could support 3CR in its radiothon because 3CR supports the fight for communities and support in all areas of struggles. So please listen to 3CR. Black brother Murray and I'm taking it back to the days when they never even heard of rap. Are you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show and you just heard a song by Ruby Hunter called Women's Business. And pretty soon we're going to be um, speaking with David Shoebridge from the Greens and he'll be um, talking to us about 
uh, David Schubert is from New South Wales and he'll be speaking to us about a petition um, that he's an inquiry that he's putting through Parliament um, about TJ Hickey. But we'll be talking about that shortly. And in the meantime, I'm hoping to bring you more music. Hi, my name is Lex Wharton and I listen to 3CR and I hope you do too. I hope that you could support 3CR in its radiothon because 3CR supports the fight for communities and support in all areas of struggles. So please listen to 3CR. You're back with the Doing Time show and we... Finally, we're able to have David Shoebridge um, coming onto the show. It's Marissa from the Doing Time show. Hello, David. Welcome hey, to the Marissa. program. Yeah, thanks very much. My sincere apologies, um, David. We, we actually had <laughs> a problem with the time change. <laughs> no worries. I was just trying to weave my afternoon. I yeah, I do apologise. The, uh, the dental a- appointment, so I stepped outside the orthodontist oh. and here I am. That's all right. That's lovely. We actually had a, we're having a some a blockade in Victoria at the moment because, um, the the government is trying to, um, desecrate some sacred trees. Um, oh, I've watched that. It's just, I mean, it, it, it's just it's heartbreaking and and so arrogant. I've, Absolutely. Even from across the border, we've seen the struggle you guys have been doing, and all strength to you. Absolutely, yeah. We've been trying to locate one of the traditional owners to talk about that. So, David, I'm wondering if you could just... You're from the Greens. Could you just give us your formal title on here? Um, well, I'm a Greens MP and um, I'm the Justice and the Aboriginal Justice spokesperson. So um, that's often the area where, you know, the, the, the perspective from which I'm talking about things like jails, prison and law reform. And I, I'm, I was the lead upper house candidate for us in in the recent state election. We, we have a very flat leadership structure in the Greens in New South Wales. We don't have a formal leader. Each of the MPs speaks on their portfolio areas. Fantastic. And also you're... You're a friend of um, of Ray Jackson, who who passed um, passed away, who was an amazing warrior and um, supporter of of deaths in custody. Yeah, and look, other I, issues. I, I considered Ray a, a bit of a mentor, really. Me too. Um, he was one of those people who um, who had this kind of endless courage, this endless well of courage that kept him coming back um, and and making demands that seemed totally impractical on one level but are fundamentally essential on the other. You know, the demand of finally ending um, Aboriginal deaths in custody, the demand of turning around 230 years of deeply discriminatory policing. You know, um, he just, he, he, he knew it had to happen and he never stopped fighting for it. And, um, you know, I miss him to this day. And and, and I, I think it was, when I think of Ray and I think of how the, I think the French government acknowledged him with one of their international human rights awards yeah, and he was largely, you know, ignored by governments um, in Australia, but I think hugely respected by by movements and and particularly by community. Absolutely, and indeed, um, it's we're here really to talk about TJ Hickey, and I believe that you've you're organising a petition for New South Wales calling for a parliamentary inquiry into TJ's death in custody. And into yeah. events leading up to his death, is that right? And following yeah, his death, yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, I sat down with Fighting in Resistance Equally or Fire, who are a great bunch of um, 
um, First Nations and, and, and other activists who who wanted to um, take TJ Hickey's campaign, the campaign for justice for TJ, and, um, you know, take it beyond an annual march and see if we could actually get it back in front of Parliament. Um, so we sat down and, you know, bounced back and forth between us the terms of a, um, a petition that we could take to the New South Wales Parliament. And and once you get more than 10,000 signatures on a petition in the New South Wales Parliament, it forces a parliamentary debate on the issue. Um, and um, I thought it was a big ask to get 10,000 signatures for, for TJ, you know. Um, but, you know, they, they went at it. They, they took it out, particularly to the Invasion Day Rally, big Invasion Day Rally here in, in Sydney, as I'm sure you... As I saw you had it in Melbourne as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's still this burning desire to get justice for TJ. Um, and, and to get a, a fresh parliamentary inquiry into it. As, as you know, key police officers involved with TJ's death on the day refused to give evidence at the coronial inquest. They weren't compelled to give evidence. Um, and, you know, the, the brutality of how TJ died in that police chase as, as a result of and during and caused by that police chase, that brutality um, uh, led to the riots in Redfern. And... Um, and there's still that burning sense of injustice in, in the Redfern community. And Gail, and Gail is TJ's mum, and, and all of TJ's family, um, they are still fighting to finally get a just outcome. It's it's pretty disgusting, actually. And I believe that in 2010 there was a, a claim made to the United Nations Human Rights Committee. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, of course, the Human Rights Committee, even if it formed a view that there'd been a gross breach of human rights. And, you know, I think on any view, TJ's rights, the rights of TJ's family have been have been abused in this. You know, there's never never been a, a proper open inquiry into TJ's death. That, that still wouldn't force any Australian authority to act. Um, one of the benefits of a parliamentary inquiry, if we can continue to make the case and get the numbers for a parliamentary inquiry, is we can actually compel people, people in New South Wales, to come forward and give evidence. We can compel them to um, to answer questions. Um, those powers are, 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 are extremely powerful from the New South Wales Parliament. They're rarely used, but I can't think of a better case to use them in than in TJ's case. And just so that we can refresh the memories of, of listeners, can you just give a little bit of background on TJ Hickey and, and who he is? Well, he was a, a, he was a young teenage um, boy in Redfern, um, apparently an extremely lively, extremely engaging, um, intelligent um, uh, young man, teenager. And uh, he was spotted by police riding his bike. Um, and uh, for reasons that are not clear still to this day, they gave chase. They they um, they they followed him in a patrol car, chased him in a patrol car down an alleyway in Redfern, jumped out and chased him. He jumped off his bike, and in the course of the pursuit, he, he was. I mean, as a tragic result, he was ends up being literally skewered on a fence at the back of one of the big housing estates in in Redfern. Um, and then, contrary to accepted training, contrary to. Um, you know, um, even the most basic first aid, he was then ripped off the um, fence and bled out and bled to death um, before the ambulance could arrive. Um, you know, a brutal, horrible way for a, a teenage boy to die. And the police have, have, from day one, refused to acknowledge any responsibility for it. Um, exactly why the chase was 
was done, exactly what was going through the police officers' minds when they um, when they came upon TJ. None of that has been adequately explained. Um, and as, as, you, as I'm, perhaps some of your listeners know, perhaps some of them don't, somebody has a deep puncture wound. Um, you, you should you should not just pull out and remove the um, the, the implement that's causing the puncture, you leave it in place until first aid arrives because it launches the blood flow. Removing removing a large, you know, from a puncture wound can actually lead to, um, you know, tragically to almost um, um, immediate death. So, um, you know, to, for, for, for Gail, TJ's mum, to think about how, how a boy died um, and to still not even have the police step forward and explain what, how, where and why, you can just imagine the whole that leaves. Absolutely, and I believe the anniversary of his death was on the 14th of February. Yeah, 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 every 14th of February. Um, there's a march that starts in um, uh, at the back of Redfern, um, Waterloo, in um, in Sydney, and then it works its way past the Redfern Police Station. Of course, Redfern Police have responded, and then um, I would say were complicit in covering up um, the, the real circumstances and causes for TJ's death. And then it went from Redfern to uh, comes from Redfern to Parliament, um, and you know every year there's a massive police presence, which um, oh, some yeah. years is better than others. Um, some years that police presence can be so close and so intrusive that it, that it actually creates tensions and scuffles between the police and the protesters. Um, the last few years it has been better. There's been some better communication from the police, and they've stepped back a bit. But again, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the what the experience is, is like in Melbourne. But every time I attend an event in Sydney, which is about Aboriginal deaths in custody or Aboriginal families or any First Nations issues, the police to protest ratio, the police to public ratio, is always massively higher than if it's not involved in a First Nations issue. So, um, you know, things don't fundamentally change, do they? That that sense of gross over policing. Absolutely, there's there is gross over policing, and 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 indeed, um, one year I think that the police took Ray Jackson to court, or sorry, Ray Jackson took the police to court. I believe. No, no, no. The or, police took Ray. The police to court took Ray to, to, to talk and, to try and stop the march from happening. That's at all. right. Yeah. Um, he should uh, have taken them to court. Actually. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the way it works in the way it works in New South Wales, if you say you're going to do a march, you set out the route, and. Um, and and you you have an entitlement to do that route unless the police go to court and get a court order preventing you from doing it. And that's what the police did. They it, they tried to prevent the march from happening. It really drained Ray. He he died soon after. I believe. Yeah. A couple of weeks. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying that they were responsible for his death, but I'm just saying that the stress that he was under, and he was actually quite ill, and still chairing his his meetings, still going to all the marches. And um, helping families of the bereaved, you know, of deaths in custody. Yeah, there, there was no way of stopping Ray from doing that. No, no, and <laughs> but but I, yeah, it's crazy. Um, there, there just was no way of, you know, he that was his that was his life, that was his mission in life, and there was no way of stopping him. Um, uh, um, but yeah, so 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 that's the demand. We'll be taking it to Parliament as soon as Parliament returns. It'll actually be one of my lower house colleagues who will present the petition. Because it's going, I'm in the upper house. The petition is presented is going to be presented in the lower house, and it'll likely be my colleague Jenny Leong, who is the member for Newtown, and Newtown incorporates that part of Sydney. 
And um, and she, I'm very happy to say, just got re-elected on the weekend with a smacking great uh, majority. Oh. Um, I think she's she's probably the 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 I would say the most popular lower house MP in the country. She's got about on a two party preferred. I can't remember the exact figure. It was about sixty five percent of the primary vote two party preferred. I mean, wow. Um, she is um, she's doing a, a terrific job there in 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 Newtown in the inner city of Sydney. Fantastic. So just so that we can recap, if you like, David, is there? can you just summarise what the aims of the inquiry would be? Like what, what would the petition look like and, and the inquiry look like when you do present it to Parliament? Or, well, you know, no, the I mean, the petition is calling for the inquiry and then the inquiry then requires a vote of um, of the Parliament to, to be obtained. And now if we get a majority in either House, either the lower House or the upper House, then we can establish an inquiry. Um, we we will probably initially try it in the upper house for the numbers in the upper house because there's a non-government majority in the upper house. And I've, for the moment, I can't tell you what that will look like because we only just had the election on the weekend and we're sure. probably not going to know what the final makeup of the upper house is until at least the 12th of April. Um, but the the, inqu- the the terms of reference would go off to a parliamentary a standing committee, either the standing committee on law and justice or one of the other legal affairs standing committees, and, and they're just established committees. And then the terms of reference would would, would set out um, what what we'd be seeking to achieve in the inquiry. And then um, the committee would would ask for witnesses and submissions to come forward. And then if those submissions made it clear that there were people who could assist who had not. Um, put a submission in, there actually is a subpoena power in um, parliamentary inquiries and you can subpoena individuals, whether they are um, former police officers or members of the community or current police officers, you can subpoena them to attend and give evidence in an inquiry. So you mean then that instead of police investigating police, that there would be an inquiry by the, the, the state government? It would be by the Parliament. By and, the you know, Parliament. The Parliament is separate to the Government of the Day. The actual um, Parliament. Yeah, the actual Parliament. You'd be, you'd be a series of MPs. Right. Who make up a parliamentary, um, you know, a parliamentary committee, and that committee would investigate. Probably wow. more. You're probably more used to seeing this in, say, the, the United States system, where you know they have the, you know, the uh, Foreign Affairs Committee or the Senate Committee into this or the Senate Committee into that. You see people brought before it and questioned by. By U.S. politicians, it's more along those lines, right? And that's um, that's right, actually you know, good. It's good, well, really. Well, is well, it? It's, <laughs> yeah, well, it's not the government. You see, good. It's, it's, it's yeah. the parliament, and the parliament has a separate constitutional role to the government of today. Um, and our job is to hold the to keep to hold the government to account. That's our job. You know, you know what? That's actually stamp. that's actually very powerful because it's it's an independent body, isn't it? Um. Well, it's meant to be. And, you know, um, the Upper House in New South Wales is rarely, if ever, um, is rarely, if ever, government-dominated. It's almost always got a crossbench, which which, um, uh, which the government or the opposition is required to persuade to either allow legislation through or to block legislation or to allow a committee to be established or to block a committee. And, um, and I've got to say, that role for me of a non-government-controlled upper house is kind of essential um, if you want to have the parliament be anything other than like a, a billion dollar rubber stamp that just 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 agrees with and nods its head, head to the government of the day absolutely and and I'm 
And so the outcome of that inquiry, I mean, we don't want to go too far ahead, I suppose, because we haven't even put the petition well, in. But I'm just trying to get listeners to get a little bit of a view, like an overview of what would be what could be well, a well, possible well, outcome. The, well, one of the yeah. first things is we, we would, if we could establish the inquiry with the right terms of reference, yeah. we could, for the first time ever, get the evidence from those police officers who refused to give evidence to the, to, to the coroner and who the coroner did not press to give evidence. For the uh-huh. first time ever, we could get that evidence and we could actually try and find out exactly what the bloody hell happened on the uh, day. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, then the, if, 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 if key evidence comes forward, well, then that can be referred to either the coroner or to the police and the DPP, or we have a police oversight body in New South Wales, recently recently established and much better than we used to have, called the Law Enforcement Conduct Committee, and then we can refer those findings on to one of those oversight bodies to actually determine whether or not either departmental charges or criminal charges or civil action is appropriate. David, um, are you sure? I mean, aren't they all police? Wouldn't that be a bit biased? Well, What's the well, point of having no, the inquiry? No, the law in, well, well, no parliamentary committee can commence criminal prosecutions against um, an individual, and you wouldn't want parliamentary no, no, no. commencing criminal of prosecutions. We, we need to have that go to either the DPP um, or in, in, in New South Wales we have this, this body called the Law Enforcement Conduct Commission, and the Law Enforcement Conduct Commission is not the police. Right. And it is a separate statutory body, and it has a lot more independence in New South Wales than some of our interstate uh, models. And the only reason that is, is because, you know, I and others fought to, to reform the police oversight system um, for, you know, the better part of five years, and we finally got it reformed about four years ago. And and it does work better than it ever did before. It's, it's woefully under-resourced. Um, and therefore, it's very loath to take on complex matters like a review of the TJ Hickey case. But if we got the evidence in a parliamentary inquiry and it was compelling, that would force the Law Enforcement Conduct Commission um, to, to to finalise the inquiry and hopefully forward a brief of evidence to the DPP. Because I was going to say, like, if if they were so, if this body was so good, then there wouldn't be any deaths in custody. Well, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and we've seen recently in New, in New South Wales a series of, you know, deeply, deeply disturbing, I mean, every death in custody is disturbing, but we had this spate there over the course of about two years um, of a series of these deaths in custody. Um, and, you know, we've had two of them come up for a coronial inquiry very recently. Which ones were they? Um, David Dungay. Yes. And um, and a young woman for who... who who was killed in, in Long Bay Jail, killed over a packet of biscuits. Um, oh, that was um, yeah. Wayne. Sorry, it's a guy, I think. Uh, Wayne. That was David Dungay. That David, was David Dungay, Dungay, sorry. Yeah, yes. yes. Um, yep. Just before Christmas in 2015, killed over a packet of biscuits, literally. The, the yep. riot squad was sent in and, and they forced him to the ground. They heavily medicated him. They sat on him. He said he couldn't breathe That's and then he right. died, all because he was getting a pack of biscuits. That, yeah. um, and, um, and then we had... Um, uh, Rebecca Marr, who um, who was found dead in a police cell in the Raymond Terrace, which is in the Hunter Valley, just north of Sydney. Um, and Rebecca hadn't even been arrested. She was allegedly under detention um, uh, for her own good, the police will tell you, Supposedly. for her own good. Yeah. Um, she wasn't supervised. The, um, the, the helpline wasn't called, you know, the National... Um, mm. 
the National Helpline wasn't called. She was, left by herself. Yep. she was left by herself in that jail cell and they opened the door and they found her dead. Yeah, look, there's just so much to, to cover. We, we, we're we going to be nearing the end of the interview, but I think I said off air we need to do two separate interviews. Yeah. <laughs> could, could you just um, – look, it's it's great that you're doing the petition and, and keep up the good work, David. Um, yeah. And obviously it's not the public in New South Wales that signs that, is it? It's, it's, uh, it is. It, it is? is. It's, it's members of the public who sign it. We've had well over 10,000 members of the public sign it, and, and that's what gives it force and that's what gives it power. Where can we find it? gives it legitimacy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still available on the um, FIRE Facebook page, Fighting in Resistance Equally Facebook page. Okay. Um, and if it's not there, I will call them up after this and get them to post it. Um, lovely. Yeah. So it's lovely speaking with you. You too, David. Um, and I believe you've also got an incarceration policy on the website as, and a website as well? I do. I mean, this is something we presented in the in the state election campaign. I think it's the first time any political party has ever put anything like this forward. We 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 propose and we will continue to campaign for a First Nations de-incarceration commission, a formal body that's established to get Aboriginal First Nations peoples out of jail. Yes. Um, and can issue release orders chaired by a First Nations judge. And for the first time ever, let's pass a law in either the New South Wales Parliament, the Victorian Parliament hopefully nationally, let's pass a law that instead of putting more First Nations peoples in jail, let's pass a law that puts in place a structure and a process to actually free them from jail. I mean, it's just so obvious. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks right. so much, David. Um, it, it was lovely to have you. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Take care. Um, yeah, so that was David Shoebridge um, from the Greens. We've got about a minute left before I'm out of here and Beyond Zero is coming up next. And then we also heard a song previously by with by Emma Donovan, Donovan, sorry. And it's thank you to all our guests and um, we'll be back next Monday, every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Beyond Zero up next and we'll be out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rock.